Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, friends. Today's episode is an interview with Alice Sparkly Cat. Um, Alice Sparkly Cat is an astrologer. They use they them pronouns and they use astrology to rechart a history of the subconscious, to redefine the body in world, and reimagine history as collective memory. They're the author of Postcolonial Astrology, which is out for pre-order right now and is, I think, coming out in a couple of days. Um, We had a really wonderful and interesting conversation about their journey with astrology, what post-colonial astrology is, Western astrology, outer planets, Venus and Mars teaching us about gender, the duality of all planets, peace and war in astrology, applying all of this context to someone's chart, Inanna and Venus, the moon and money, Mars as a specific kind of masculinity, growing into our charts, working with planets in detriment and exalted planets and planets in fall. And we finish up talking a bit about their writing process, their creative process with their book. So I don't have anything else to share with you. I just want to share this interview with you. So I hope you enjoy it. I think Alice Sparkly Cat's work is really wonderful. And I've been following them on Instagram for years now, I think. Um, So it was really cool to have this uh, moment (laughs) together. So hope you enjoy the conversation. Here it is. But I always like to start the show by hearing a bit about your journey. So I'd love to hear about your journey with astrology and how it's brought you to this moment. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I start like, you know, I got into astrology in around like 2014, 2015, something like that. Um, It helped me out like in a harder moment of my life. Um, yeah, I feel like it gave me language to just kind of like address myself through. So, yeah, I mean, I started doing readings for friends, um, but then, yeah, I just, I wanted to keep doing it more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was spirituality and or religion like for you growing up? Like, were you acquainted with astrology before or other kinds of spiritual practices? Um, not really with Western astrology. Um, yeah, because yeah, like I was born in China. So like, you know, even like my my aunt delivered me and she had this like coin made or something. It had a monkey on it. So I knew my Chinese zodiac and things like that. Um, I grew up Christian. Like I grew up in an Asian church um, in the Midwest. So it's a very like kind of tight knit, like, you know, religious community. Um, yeah, I was part of like this thing called local church, um, which it's like a non-denominational um, part of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that you grew up in the Midwest actually. Yeah. I'm from Iowa. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I'm not from the Midwest, but I grew up in partially DC suburbs and partially Southern Delaware, which is a very like cornfields vibe. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Like just all cornfields, soybeans, um, pigs. Yeah. Yeah. I did not become acquainted with astrology 
until mm-hmm. after leaving that place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not really talked about in the middle. I mean, you know, it could have changed. I feel like like astrology wasn't that popular in 2014, too. Um, but like I think that like queer people were using it um like a lot more. Yeah. yeah. I think so. I didn't know I was queer in 2014, so <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't know. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I would love to talk about, obviously, you have this amazing book coming out, and it's called Postcolonial Astrology. And I thought we could just start with like, what does postcolonial astrology mean? What is that approach to astrology? Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, the book is called Postcolonial Astrology and like it so it's talking about western astrology is talking about how rome is remembered and it's talking about how um like you know, western astrology like a lot of other institutions reproduces images around rome um even if like ancient rome it's not really like part of the west it's remembered as western um so yeah like you know the book it just kind of tries to break down how these roman concepts are um like kind of circulated through the language of astrology too so like the questions that it starts with it's about how does western astrology work um how like how might it work differently than other cosmologies too um how does um yeah i mean it's so climate-based too so like how does how does it change with climate uh it's like yeah the book it's just trying to figure out like well you know what can we use western astrology for um yeah how do we talk about our relationships with the west uh like using western astrology when you talk about western astrology what what does that mean so it's about like you know aries or pisces that's the zodiac signs it's about the seven visible planets um and western there's like there's a lot of different types there's modern astrology where you do use uranus neptune pluto where you do use uh asteroids too um but then there's traditional astrology which is also western and in traditional astrology you have some different techniques you're you know you're using the traditional planets too yeah and in your book you don't work with uranus and neptune in those planets right do you use those in your astrology practice yeah, I do, because we look at the transiting, like, you know, squares to your natal, um, yeah, placements, like, they're about generational changes. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why it's not in the book is just because those planets, they don't have really, like, a long history in astrology. Mm-hmm. They kind of started being used in astrology more recently. So there isn't really, like, as much stuff to kind of track, to. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, I haven't read the full book, but what I've read so far, I've just found so fascinating about the different planets and the history of them and how complex it is and how, yeah, I can like understand things about my chart, but I had no idea about so many of the things that were in, yeah, the different chapters about the planet. So I thought maybe we could talk about some of the planets and yeah, maybe your like framework around them, your thoughts around them. And cool. Yeah. I really like talking about Venus. So maybe we could talk about <laughs> Venus a bit. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. So for Venus, I think 
One of the things I thought was really interesting that you talked about is how there's morning Venus and evening Venus and how they're different. So maybe we could start there. What is that about? Yeah, totally. Because Venus is sometimes a morning star, sometimes an evening star. It depends on the Venus retrograde cycle. Mm. Uh, But all planets have a duality. So that was something that showed up in the research too like you know saturn has a duality too Mm. um so like yeah all planets have a duality with venus and mercury it is about like morning versus evening star a little bit more um but yeah and and there's all these um yeah there's all these like different types of venus Mm -hmm. yeah do you want to share some of the like stories around venus or some of the connections of things that venus means yeah, yeah. Um, with well, with Venus, it's a lot of times read in opposition to Mars, because Venus rules Taurus and Libra, and then Mars rules the opposing signs, Scorpio and Aries. Um, so, I mean, Venus and Mars, like a lot of times, like they can show up in gender and how we think about gender. Um, and something that I found out was like, well, gender, it's not really about personal experience. It's actually about the military. So a lot of like, you know, how we think about gender, how we reproduce gender through love stories, how we, um, yeah, I mean, just like a lot of our emotions around gender, it's around um, like this opposition between the civil state and the martial state. um, And these two things work together. So that's what Venus and Mars, that's what the chapter in Venus and Mars is about. Yeah. And I thought it was so fascinating how, there are all these different understandings around Venus, Venus being around justice, Venus being about love and being about wealth and how like through different cultures and yeah, different evolutions around time, we see Venus as something different. Yeah. Yeah. Cause peace, like peace is about this kind of like material abundance um, but it's like, yeah, it has a relationship to war and how it's depicted usually too. Yeah. And I didn't know that before because <laughs> I feel like yeah. it's always like Venus is love and Mars is war and aggression. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you, how do you take all of this context and work with it in someone's chart that you're looking at? Well, these things, um, yeah, these things like the military, gender as a consequence of the military, like it affects people in real ways. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, it's different for each person. But if, um, yeah, if someone comes in, it's like, you know, I want to talk about my relationship to gender. It's sometimes really helpful to have a language around the planets too. um, Mm -hmm. That just, I mean, yeah, and just addresses like, you know, what are the origins? Like how is gender being used? Um, everything. Yeah. Has astrology helped you in working with gender? Um, I don't know if astrology has really, yeah. Cause like gender, it's so funny. It's yeah. So maybe, yeah. Just kind of looking at my own Venus and Mars and kind of like talking to myself through it. Yeah. I think it actually has. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, And what about working with Mars? And yeah, could you talk about Mars a little bit more? 
Yeah, yeah, because Venus and Mars, they like a lot of times they show up in opposition. Um, mm-hmm. So, like in the same way that like a city that's under siege might be feminized in just kind of lyrical recountings of it, like the invading city, where what's seen as like to be on the outside, inv- invasive, like that's sometimes like masculinized. Um, so like a whole group of people seem to be um, seem to be more masculine when they're seen to be on the outside. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the funny thing about Venus is that it's like the only planet that's gendered a certain way um, where it seemed to be like very feminine. Um, I mean, not all the time, because like Venus is also Lucifer. So there's moments where Venus is not feminine, too. But um, like, yeah, I mean, Mars, like we associate it so much with masculinity, but there's so many patriarchal planets. So then Mars is a specific kind of masculinity. Um, so like what I found is like, well, you know, Mars, it's associated with strangeness, with foreignness, with being on the outside and being invasive is actually like a lot more of a racial masculinity that Mars is representing. Um, there's moments where Mars is described as effeminate, actually. Um, and that's like, that's a medieval text. Uh, so yeah, there, there's something like, there's something kind of funky with gender happening with Mars too. Yeah. You said Venus is also Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the morning star. Yep. So Venus as the morning star is associated with Lucifer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like one of the symbols um, of Venus is Lucifer. Yeah. It's different than the devil because the devil is, um, yeah, it's more of a modern invention. Yeah. Um, and in the Venus chapter, you were talking about Venus's connection to that kind of like, Adam and Eve story and the awareness of nakedness and sexuality versus not. So I thought that was really interesting when you said Lucifer. I was like, huh? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because my background is in super Christian Christianity. So I, I see. Always, yeah. yeah. And those stories. And even when you talked about the connection of like the story of Jesus with mm-hmm. I think Inanna and Ishtar, like, mm-hmm. that's really fascinating to read, too. Oh, like the three days kind of, like, rise from the dead thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to share that for people who haven't read the book yet or, well, yeah. nobody's read the book yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's two myths around Inanna. Um, and, like, in one, she grants three mercies when she's trapped in the underworld and she has to pick, like, a substitute for herself. Mm-hmm. So she gives three mercies to her son, her servant, her handmaiden. Um, and then she chooses her husband because he's not mourning her. Um, and in another um, story around Inanna, like, she grants three of revenges. Um, so, like, she's assaulted and then she knows she's assaulted. She, like, she's trying to hunt down this guy who assaulted her. Um, and she, like, kind of, um, like, you know, expresses three plagues across the land. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting how these stories are, yeah, just like the roots of stories are sometimes shared across cultures and told in different ways and, but have those same roots. Mm, yeah and like it kind of mimics the three days like in the ground thing yeah yeah totally yeah Mm. are there any other planets that you feel like sharing a little bit about maybe we could talk about the moon too yeah yeah because the moon um yeah the moon is talked about differently than venus um like 
with the moon, the sun, and Saturn in the book, we talk about capital. Like Venus and Mars, we're talking about power because it's about the military. It's about the civil state. Um, but with the moon, we're talking about capital because the moon is about reproduction. Mm. So that functions really differently than gender. Um, yeah, it's a separate thing. And like, you know, how we imagine the moon in contemporary astrology, it's like really feminine, but that wasn't always the case. Um, so yeah, the moon, it's associated with silver, with merchants, um, with commercialization, with money, actually. So yeah, with the moon, we just, I mean, we look at like, what does it take for us to like imagine money as a reproductive thing instead of a dead thing? Hmm. How is that related to... I don't know. How do you connect that to how we function like within capitalism now? Yeah. Cause like with the moon, like, you know, when we talk about um, like, you know, people's moon with themselves, like it, like, yeah, it can be so important to talk about um, like kind of like what we emotionally identify with, with what we reproduce with, um, yeah, with family, with um, like the moon. It's also about like the representation of experience of the body uh, too. So yeah, there's a lot to talk about with people's personal moon signs and client sessions, but it, yeah, it depends on, it's, it's so different for everyone. So it's really depends on like kind of um, where the session goes to. Yeah. I guess I'm curious, like, do you want to share a little bit about your moon sign? Yeah, I'm a Cancer moon. Mm. Yeah, what about you? Aries moon. Oh, cool. I'm an Aries sun. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Sun. Okay, cool. So you're born like close to the full moon. Yeah, I think I was born at 426 and the moon was full at like 8 that morning. So oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. So how do you connect that Cancer moon? Cancer moon. I mean, I, uh, I it's ex- like I've experienced in such different ways, like throughout my life. Cause that's the thing about the chart too. It's always in motion. It's always changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like, you know, even when we're doing client work, like we're not really trying to say who someone is, like that's always changing. So we're actually trying to identify change all the time. Mm. Yeah. It's really interesting for me to think about. I've been working with my chart, mm-hmm. but, not that long, but probably since like, I don't know, probably for like four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and different things have meant such different things to me throughout the years and have resonated differently in different readings. Um, totally. Yeah. And I think sometimes different placements have felt more like a source of frustration and how I've thought of them or how they've been portrayed or talked about maybe. Mm. um, Yeah. Kind of landing in a place of like all of these things being neutral and changeable too. And changing as I'm changing feels yeah. Much more supportive than being like, this means this always. (laughs) Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 What's your rising sign? Virgo. Okay, cool. Yeah. What's yours? I'm an Aquarius rising. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are there any placements for you that have felt like, I don't know, confusing or like something you have been like growing into or maybe didn't make sense for you at first, but you can relate mm-hmm. to them now? 
Hmm. I mean, I feel like we're going into our charts all the time. Like one thing about my chart is like I have both benefits and detriment. So like I feel like that's definitely looked differently throughout my life. Like you know, benefits like Jupiter and Venus, they're actually like I mean, yeah, like Jupiter is about like it's about like you know knowledge and institutions. And then Venus is about um kind of social expectations so like you know having both in detriment like I feel like it definitely shows up in like certain ways in my life but yeah what does it mean for them to be in detriment it means that they're in signs where it's opposite to their place of rulership so then what they're doing is they're kind of trying to work in opposition to the environment all the time okay so would that be like having Venus in Scorpio? Yeah, Venus in Scorpio or Venus in Aries. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I have Venus in Scorpio. And then- oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have the busted Venuses. <laughs> busted Venuses. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for, for Jupiter, do you want to unpack that a little bit more around knowledge and what that means yeah with jupiter um well yeah we talk about jupiter in the book like in relationship to mercury because yeah you know jupiter rules pisces and sagittarius mercury rules gemini and virgo so they're kind of red in opposition too and then so jupiter is zeus like you know yeah um and then jupiter it's kind of funny like the um jupiter's the planet that gets compared to like real life people the most it was compared to caesar um so there's all these um like ideas well like you know like caesar like his army wore this like lightning bolt um and there's all these like kind of associations of jupiter with like fame and glory mm-hmm. um and yeah, so like Jupiter, it's like it's actually described as this kind of like really power hungry, like kind of shonen hero or something. Um, but like, like you know, Jupiter, it it changes, and so like you know, Jupiter, it shows up when we think about like knowledge, like Prospero versus Caliban, um, and it like initially when I was researching Jupiter and Mercury, like I wanted to write about technology because I was like, oh, you know, here's where like these two planets might intersect. Um, But the deeper I got into it, I realized, well, actually technology like doesn't exist. It's all about labor. So the chapter ended up being about labor because of that. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's, um, yeah, there's like such a strong relationship between Jupiter and representation too. Yeah. How do we get to this place where <laughs> I just feel like your work around astrology is so incredible and it's so radically different from the way that most people are talking about astrology. And I guess oh. I'm curious of like, I don't know, how do we get to this place where astrology is like Jupiter is a planet of like fame and fortune and good luck and Venus is love and fulfillment and like without that lens that you're bringing to it. I feel like a lot of people have this lens because like the questions that I started with the book, like it comes from practicing astrology and community. So yeah, I feel like definitely, I feel like a lot of people practicing astrology right now definitely has the same like concerns and questions um, about 
yeah, like, you know, just what does it mean when we use these archetypes? I think people who practice tarot have the same questions too. Like tarot is changing so much. Um, like I've heard, um, like I don't practice tarot. I'm not really involved in that community, but yeah. And just like in terms of how like gender is expressed through tarot. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of people um, are like actually um, like kind of like trying to revise the language all the time um as we practice it too yeah I'm like maybe I'm just more in tarot space because that's more of my practice oh <laughs> yeah really yeah definitely yeah. happening in a big way I see yeah I yeah I heard it from a lot of people who do tarot yeah I mean because there's so much in tarot traditionally that is really gendered and yeah doesn't bring these mm-hmm. lenses around racism and colonization and capitalism to it and um yeah there are a lot of people who are evolving the way that we talk about that and that's themselves that are evolving the imagery and visuals around that which is really incredible yeah yeah like um I see like a lot of decks that don't have like human figures now yeah there are some really cool decks too that do have human figures but are like next world tarot or like modern witches that are depicting such a wide range of people in different bodies that are yeah not usually seen yeah tarot decks which is really cool and the animal based ones are awesome too Mm -hmm. yeah i'm curious how the signs are like how do you view the signs and how the signs are part of this framework I feel like yeah our conversation has been so much about the planets but how do the signs come in and those archetypes for you yeah well I mean the basic building blocks um, of astrology are the seven planets so the signs are they're described by the planets like for example like yeah Aries that's the placement that we share um we both have something Aries like Aries is where Mars is domicile. So Mars rules Aries. So then it's described by Mars in a certain way. Um, It's the detriment of Venus. So then it's described a certain way by Venus. Um, It's where the sun exalts and it's where Saturn falls. Um, So yeah, like the signs, they have meaning because of the planets. So yeah, that's what like, you know, the book, like it can be really be used by like any like people who have any level of like comfort in astrology um yeah if you're just like learning about it if you're like you know been practicing for a long time um like there's nothing technical in the book it's just like it's all about the planets and then you can use that uh in different ways yeah yeah I think that's so true um when you have these planets in these different places like you're talking about when you have placement that's exalted or that's in detriment Mm -hmm. how do you like work with those differently yeah because like every planet has some type of condition in a sign so we just yeah we just try to talk about it um usually if you know if we see like a detriment planet it's not all the time like a planet that causes problems it's just like oh, hey, like, you know, you're trying to do something like contrary to expectations. Um, sometimes that, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, I feel fine about that. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, oh God, this is causing a lot of grief, like in this specific way. Um, same with like, if you have a domicile planet, it's like, whoa, like here's a planet that really wants to fulfill expectations. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's like, you know, 
yeah, it's not a problem. And then sometimes um, like that can be like kind of, um, you know, kind of causing a lot of grief too. So it just, yeah, it depends on the, like how the planets are affected by the positions that are are in. So the domicile planet is the one where it's in its home. Yeah. mm -hmm. Okay. Like Mars and Aries or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So then when a planet is exalted, what would that be? Um, so the exaltations, they have to do a little bit more with, um, like, visibility. So usually exalted planets, like, where they get a lot of grief is when they feel like um, like pressure to fulfill expectations. Um, and then planet in fall. Um, yeah, a planet in fall is kind of like, oh, man, like, you know, I don't want anyone to have expectations over me. So, like, that can, like, that can give you a lot of freedom, too, to have planets in fall. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. What's can you give an example of a planet that's in fall? Well, you mentioned one, your Libra sun. That's a sun that's in fall. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. I'm like, okay, gonna unpack that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. I really love that placement actually <laughs> right yeah i feel like fallen planets can like they're really complicated they're really interesting mm. yeah yeah and i think yeah i don't know like the i think about too how my sun and moon are in opposition and like different aspects that i have that are maybe not so like harmonious but yeah how they add nuance and maybe aren't bad but they are definitely interesting and they provide a lot of opportunities to learn about myself yeah 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 I really like like the kind of stickier um placements Mm -hmm. yeah is there a placement for you that's sticky sticky like in my own chart Mm -hmm. Mm, I don't know yeah yeah I feel like the stickiest places may be my yeah Venus detriment. Yeah. Yeah. I've been working a lot with my own Venus over mm-hmm. the last couple of years. And yeah, yeah, how that shows up in my life. And it's also retrograde in my chart, which I mm-hmm. like don't know a ton about, but think is maybe interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, how that relates to like my own patterns in relationship with myself and with other people too and yeah yeah I don't know I feel like sometimes you can really dig into those placements that yeah yeah feel a little bit sticky. <laughs> yeah I love Scorpio Venus yeah. yeah it's so fun it's definitely fun it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's pretty intense but yeah it's fun <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah 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 yeah, I love it because I feel like Scorpio Venus, like it, like you know, just like goes there with you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I really like that about myself. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I think a placement that lends itself to depth going yeah. going in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I would also like to talk to you about if it's mm-hmm. okay. I didn't say we we're going to talk about this before, mm-hmm. but I kind of want to talk to you about your writing process. And oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, the process of actually writing this book. And I mean, you've written other things before as well. And yeah, what that was like for you to show up and write this book. Yeah, writing. I mean, yeah, writing, it's 
yeah, it's nice. It's always a little bit stressful. I was working um, like a lot when I was writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I don't have a lot of time for writing. I don't have a lot of time for reading too. So, I mean, it's a lot of like, you know, reading on the train and then like, you know, writing at night, like after work or something, or like, you know, trying to find time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, writing, I actually, I rewrote like the Venus Mars section um, like completely in once. And I rewrote the Mercury and Jupiter section completely like two times too so it was a lot of rewriting um like I usually write pretty fast so then like the writing is mostly about like rewriting um a lot too Hmm. like why did you feel like you need needed to rewrite them or like how did that come about because that feels different than editing (laughs) rewriting yeah because like before like venus and mars before the rewrite like I don't think it really came to like a final like kind of oomph um like the, it yeah it just wasn't come coming together but it was I mean I feel like I wanted to get through like the first draft mm-hmm. um and then like sit on it so I'm glad yeah I was like I was writing a lot about like kind of queer um sexuality things like that but then I realized like you know that's not what I want to talk about like I like I feel like with the book, like, you know, naming capital power and labor too, it's not about like talking about what, um, you know, like alternative astrology is or anything. It's like, I always want to talk about the negatives. Um, so I always want to look at what's already there, like what's kind of dominant and then ask questions around that, like a reaction. So I reframed Venus and Mars to be more about heteronormal um gender relationships and then um we I mean we talk about how race complicates these things but like yeah I didn't try to like describe any kind of queer sexuality or anything like that so that's yeah that's where the changes came out um for Mercury and Jupiter like the rewrites happened because of um what we talked about earlier with initially like I wanted it to be about technology um, but then it's like, okay, like this is going to be about, um, it's going to be about labor. We're going to talk about different things. Uh, so yeah, it just changed because of that. Yeah. I mean, I think like there's something that's really powerful for me to hear just you saying that, that like permission to write something and change it, write something and not like it and realize that's not actually the thing and like it actually needs to become this thing. And I feel like that speaks so much to what it's actually like to create things. Yeah, yeah, I like rewriting. I have the drafts though, like maybe I'll do something else with it. Yeah, I'm like, I'm definitely interested in reading whatever you want to share around queerness and sexuality for sure. (laughs) Okay, yeah, it's not that interesting. I'm like, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For you in that kind of creative process, what is it like for you to finish something? I think I do a lot of work with people around creativity and thinking about this for like some of the conversations we've had about sometimes it can be really hard or like you feel really excited about this thing and you start working on it. And then when you're kind of in like the uh, of it, it gets less fun and less exciting and having to like really root back into what you're even doing and why you care about it and yeah I guess I'm curious if that comes up for you at all yeah for sure yeah I'm really interested in what you have to say about this too um I feel like like when you have doubts about something like that's maybe what's done for me 
Um, Because I feel like once you have doubts about it, then it's like, okay, like, you know, you've done what you wanted to do with this. Um, So now you just have to see, like, if it does what you want it to do. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, you know, I had a deadline with this. So like, I just finished it like around the deadline too. (laughs) Like, that's when it was done. Um, And like, if I had infinite time, I probably would have rewrote the whole thing. But like, yeah, there was a deadline, which is super nice yeah I think there's something to be said for like this is just gonna be complete as it is because (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. it's like you know it's good Mm -hmm. enough I really run into that Mm -hmm. I wrote this whole like workbook about religious trauma last year Mm -hmm. and I just felt like I was never gonna finish it because there's just so much to say and at a certain point I had to be like it's just gonna be done now because it's right. gonna be done you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's like it's like a day it's like the day is just done yeah yeah at a certain point it just is done and that's yeah that's fine <laughs> exactly well well thank you for sharing about that um I guess before I ask you the last question I always ask on this show is there anything else that you want to I don't know leave people with around astrology or that you've been thinking about a lot that you want to share yeah, yeah. I think with the book, like, it's not telling you, like, any way to do astrology or anything. Like, you know, like I said, like, it's so much about focusing on, like, kind of um, responding to what's already there. So almost like, yeah, just speaking from the negative. Um, so it doesn't, like, it doesn't teach you, like, oh, this is, like, a method or anything like that. Um, it, it's just, like, it treats astrology as a language, and astrology is a living language. Mm-hmm. So, like, it do- the origin doesn't really matter. It matters how we practice and circulate it and how we change it. Um, so, like, yeah, that's what, the book. it doesn't give you any formulas. It's just, like, it's there to add to kind of, like, your own practice, um that's what I wanted to say I also wanted to say like you can pre-order the book um it's out on May 18th but you can pre-order it before then by going to my website um alicesparklycat.com slash postcolonial astrology and that link will take you to Milmundos which is a a mutual aid uh anti-gentrification project over here um they don't ship internationally so if you want to buy it and you don't live in the united states or puerto rico then just call your local bookstore and then they can stock it yeah i love that do you want to tell people where they can find you on instagram too yeah you can just search like alice sparkly cat all one word it's cat with a k gotta get the k in there (laughs) (laughs) cool um well the last question i always ask on this show because the name of the show is living open Mm -hmm. um when you hear that what comes up for you what does living open mean to you Mm, whoa that's a good question yeah living i feel like living is about movement and then openness is about um like uncertainty so I feel like it's about being comfortable in uncertainty and change yeah that's so beautiful thank you so much for sharing and for being here and for writing such an amazing book (laughs) yeah I mean thanks for talking with me 
Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.